Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard, along with J.C. Allen and Josh Capo from PewterReport.com, and we are thrilled to be bringing you more Bucks battle plans for the 2022 offseason discussions, including some surprise quarterback options that you might not have considered for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, you see that graphic correctly up there on the screen, including one Ryan Fitzpatrick who could potentially, in my battle plan at least, be headed back to Tampa Bay, the gunslinger to play with the gunslinger head coach in Bruce Arians. Could it be a perfect fit? JC has another gunslinger out there that he'd like you to consider for Tampa Bay and his Bucks battle plan. Josh is going to tell us why we're both very stupid, which should not be a hard premise to prove, considering that he's probably right about that. Welcome to the show today, guys. Josh, how's it going? Second appearance on the Peter Report pod. Looking good. What's up, man? Doing very well. How about you guys? Doing well. JC, I know that you were very upset because you thought that your battle plan may not get published today or included in this podcast for discussion. I just would like your honest reaction to uh, the fact that it now is has been included. Just what kind of feelings and emotions are you experiencing in this moment? First of all, I'd like to thank God um, and, and all the fans. Uh, no. And, and, you know, John for taking the time to, to push through and edit it. And uh, I want to thank all of you guys out there who's going to enjoy, consum- you know, consuming the premiere eh, enjoy. battle plan out there right now. Enjoy. So. <laughs> yeah. One way no, to put it. Premiere. <laughs> premiere. Oh, this is good stuff. These battle plans are fun, man. Trying to figure out now how realistic all this these options can be will be great. Well, Josh was on a couple days ago on Tuesday, and we got to land him a little bit for his battle plan and talk about some of the options that he put forth. Uh, and there was some interesting stuff for sure, no doubt. And I liked a lot of it. And we'll talk about what we liked and disliked about JC, my battle plan. JC, I believe, has dropped the links for our battle plans into the chat so you all can check those out as you're listening if you want. Um, But I did want to first start by talking about a report that came out just about an hour before we went on the air. And this one's from Pittsburgh and Andrew Filipponi, who I have been on the radio with many a time from Pittsburgh and was just on recently with talking about Ryan Jensen, actually uh, works for 93.7. The fan in Pittsburgh also works for CBS Sports Radio. Um, He said that he believes that uh, the Steelers are going to have strong interest in pursuing Carlton Davis and potentially Jordan Whitehead as well in free agency. Um, some of you remember back to last season during the season when we had our during the bye week when we had our podcast about potential free agents that were coming up for the Bucks and what we thought you know, would be the outcome would they resign or not. And I mentioned that Jordan Whitehead was likely to get strong consideration from the Steelers. He obviously graduated from Pitt, but also uh, grew up outside of Pittsburgh and Alquipa, and he has like family ties basically to to Mike Tomlin as well. Um, James Conner obviously was there in Pittsburgh for a while. He and Jordan Whitehead are best friends. So, you know, he's heard a lot about the organization and knows a lot about it and obviously has a familiar relationship with Mike Tomlin. So that one, no surprise to me. I mean, neither were any surprise to me, guys. I mean, the Steelers obviously need to upgrade the secondary. They need to get younger there. They have tons of cap space. Both players are terrific scheme fits. Whitehead next to Micah Fitzpatrick would be one of the top safety tandems in the NFL, in my opinion. He's kind of what they wanted Terrell Edmonds to be. And obviously Joe Hayden getting older and being a free agent and, 
they haven't really found a guy opposite him that they really like yet. So both these make complete sense, you know. Uh, um, so I didn't have any problem with us, you know, publishing the story that Philip of Filipponi's report doesn't mean that the Bucks will be competitive for them. But JC, I think it's pretty fair to say that there will be some other offers out there for both of these players and a lot of interest from other teams around the league, given Tampa Bay and and Davis and Whitehead's success. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at what Whitehead can do. He's a very physical safety. You don't have that many guys that play his style. He also did very well in the slot as well. Underrated player. Uh, his coverage has gotten much better as well. So, you know, I, I expect there to be interest for, for Whitehead, you know, especially in Pittsburgh, but around the league. The problem is the NFL is already paying safeties an absorbent amount of money. There's 20 players in the league making $8 million plus. So, yeah, you know, course. do you want to put the resources in that? This is a pretty decent draft for safeties. You can get some good players in the second round, um, right. third round guys. So, you know, do you want to spend eight? $9 million on a safety like Jordan Whitehead. And as far as Carlton Davis goes, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum that letting a guy as good as him go out and test the market is not going to go well for the Bucs because mm -hmm. teams are going to have money to throw at him. As you mentioned, Pittsburgh secondary, there's all tons of secondaries around the league that could use a player like Carlton Davis, use his skill set, and, and they're going to pay for him. So, you know, both of those guys are going to get hard looks. I think potentially they both have the possibility to come back to the bucks. I have them both coming back in the battle mm -hmm. plan, but they're going to get strong consideration elsewhere and, you know, money talks. And if they, if they come up with a number that the bucks can't match relatively to the no state income tax in Florida, yep. make it even, then they're probably going to take off. Yeah. It'll be interesting. And Josh, I want to get your thoughts on this and appreciate Nate uh, saying welcome aboard Josh. And, and those saying uh, John V said, I've been a mole for the Steelers franchise this whole time. Uh, <laughs> I have not been, but I have been all very three. aware of the fact Benson that White too, all three of them. It's all yeah, your it fault, would, John. It would be quite funny if the, all if there is interest, like reported steel interest, in like basically all the box free agents <laughs> at this point. So it would be funny if a bunch of them end up there. I don't know if I'll get hate for that or not, but we'll I guess we'll find out. But Josh, I am curious to hear your thoughts on this, uh, just in terms of contracts. Carlton Davis, the reports are kind of everywhere, to be honest, and have been for a while. Um, the Bucks didn't franchise him at around seven, a little over $17 million per year. Right. So would suggest, based on that and some conversations we've had, they don't necessarily think he's a $17 million a year corner. That's kind of understandable. There's only a couple $17 million a year corners right now. Tredavious White is in that range, and then the only ones above him are Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, and Jalen Ramsey. I think it's pretty safe to say that Carlton Davis, at least in terms of reputation and production, hasn't been on those guys' level, even if we think he can get there or kind of low-key is as good as those guys. it's right. on. It would be surprising if the rest of the NFL saw it that way. However, in this article that I'm quoting from Philip Pony's reports, his co-host, Chris Muller, who I was also on, with the, on, with, on the radio with the other day, who actually slandered Tampa Bay Bucks fans, and I fired back at him on the air, by the way. You'll have me know, uh, Bucks fans. I'll have you know that. Um he suggested that Davis would be would the acquiring Davis would cost the Steelers twenty million a year, which is this is we could rule that out right away, right? That Josh, that is absurd. Only Jalen Ramsey is getting twenty million a year. He is literally at twenty million a year for corners. Colin Davis is not going to reset the market at cornerback, no. right? No, I don't see Davis uh, resetting the market. <clears throat> Honestly, I don't see Davis being the top guy on the market with J.C. Jackson from New England set to hit the market as well. Those two, I do think, are one and two when you consider age, talent level, and everything like that, and um, getting the bigger contracts because the length will be longer than some of the older guys like a, um, a Stephon Gilmore and whatnot. I think 15 a year is the floor. I don't see it going to 20. 
Um, but I definitely think that 17, 17 and a half is kind of a sweet spot right now. Um, a lot of that is going to depend on how teams structure the contracts. How far do they push money into the back um, as they start to look at what they think the salary cap is going to be two, three, four years from now. Um, and with the new revenue, JC, I think you mentioned it in your battle plan, I think very astutely, that teams are planning for the salary cap to go up quite a bit over the next three to four years. And so if you can backload some of those contracts, the APY goes up um, mm. and you can still fit it in under this year's cap. Right. Okay. So you said 15 is the floor. 17 Absolutely. and a half is probably the ceiling for Carlton Davis. I so would it, say, yeah. yeah, right in there. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. No, I mean, I think you're probably right in that range. It was interesting today. I did hear for the first time, and you know, everything's going on right now. So who knows? The, the Godwin projections have been did hear for the first time that it's possible Davis could be in the 14 million range for a lot of teams. But given the fact that there is likely one team willing to go above that for him, I do think he'll end up somewhere like in the 15 to 17 half, pretty much exactly what you said, Josh. I, so I, I agree with you. I think that's a really so sound projection for him. And if it's on the lower end of that, the Bucks probably competitive. If it's on the higher end of that, Bucks probably not to the Bucks advantage, which JC has noted before in his articles. And we've noted in a couple articles, no state income tax plays a, a role in all this. However, there is no state income tax in several other cities that have NFL teams as well. So that needs to be considered. And, Pittsburgh has state income tax, but it is is on the lower end. I think it's like three percent or something compared to what California's California is or something. California, <laughs> California is taking taking your whole paycheck type of stuff. So yeah, um, so that is something uh, worth considering uh, there as it comes to these things. They can actually probably offer less than the player can, could make more uh, given the structure of the deal. So something to consider with all that. With Whitehead, what do you what do you see, Josh, just in terms of that? I mean, obviously, strong safeties, you've talked a little bit to us about how they're growing in value a little bit. He does have some versatility. He's gotten better every single year. He's But he's, you know, he's protected somewhat by the – I don't want to say protected. He's just – he's allowed to operate in a very so sound role for him within the scheme. Pittsburgh would be another place where that would definitely be true. But it still seems like especially with how many safeties are on the market. I know some of them got tagged, but a lot of safeties in the market. It seems like he probably isn't going to break the bank, right? Do you think he's in the $6 million a year? Yeah, I would say six to, to seven, maybe seven and a half, depending on, on his suitors. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see him going you know, eight to 10. Uh, that's typically reserved for guys who can play single high, too mm -hmm. high quite a bit, um, whereas Whitehead is at his best. Uh, when he's playing more in the box as a run support safety. Now, with mm -hmm. that said, I think I saw something not too long ago that said when he's in the slot, you know, he's one of the better graded um, slot safeties uh, in coverage. Yeah, basically. that's really <laughs> totally terrible statistic. Yeah, I mean, I know that I'm not saying it's not valid. I just want to provide right. context for it. Like, sure. it just doesn't really mean like he could get not thrown. At. He's not in the slot that much. So like you're talking about a small sample size as it is. And then you're also talking about a small sample size of plays that are actually covered, that are actually, you know, when he's in the slot, how often is it actually a pass? And then what's his responsibility on the play and how routine is, you know, if he's just dropping an underneath zone, which he usually is, you're not going to get like many big negative grades for, for those types of plays. So anyway, just providing context, but go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm sure teams will consider that. I think his representation is most likely going to play that up and say, given more opportunities, he can show you that he can do that more consistently. Um, and so, but ultimately, you know, from a value standpoint, seven, seven and a half is kind of where I think he's going to end up in terms of his uh, annual um, average. 
Right. Okay. All right. That's, I think that could be a, a little bit on the higher end of his projections, but I think it could definitely be possible. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say at all that we are potentially talking about the best run defending safety in the NFL. I mean, he is up there for sure. There's a short list. I don't know if there's a decisive winner right now, but he's near the top of that. Von Bell, a couple years ago, I think he got six million per year. Was it two years ago, maybe from Cincinnati? Yeah. Yeah, so right. it, yeah. it makes sense that Whitehead, yeah, fairly similar player in some ways, could be seen as maybe a little bit higher than that as the market I, and the cap. Goes I up. told you, and this was before before when we were ranking priority free agents. I had Whitehead as my number three behind yeah, guys, guys, <laughs> guys like. Well, this was before Marpet retired and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, before all the other line, yeah. yeah okay, so you had him behind Davis and Godwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, I'd still disagree with that, but when you factor in a lot of other things, it's like you know, what Jensen's going to cost, you know, obviously. But I, I still think interior offensive line, you know, I might put Kappa in there with Marpet retiring, but like you said, at that point in time, I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, I see, could see that making sense. Um, and I think Whitehead is a good player. It's just like, do you want to – It's you don't want to go too high for a price tag for a player like that when you also know that a payday for Winfield is going to be coming – you know, it might not. I mean, you could tag Winfield at some point. He's got two more years, and you could tag him, and it still would be hefty, though, the way the tag's going up. And so is the cap. And I don't know. I just – I don't think if his price tag is low, I don't get what the downside is for the Bucs if he's, you know, good in the locker room, good off the field. What's the downside for the Bucs, right, JC? I don't I don't think there is one. And, you know, it, it changes a little bit, too, with Tom Brady retiring because you have to rely on your defense a little bit more with a young quarterback, whether it be Trask, whether it be Gabbert, whether it be – it's magic or the guy I had them trading for you're gonna need to rely on that defense a little more so that's where I think he becomes a little bit more important and and like you know who knows he might not get many offers out there he might be able to I think five and a half is probably his floor I think that's he probably gets more than that but his ceiling's mm -hmm. right around seven and a half eight million I don't see many teams playing that because as I mentioned there's 20 safeties in the league making eight million dollars or more right now and, and that number's gonna go up too with Tyron Matthew hitting the market with Marcus May back in the market you know, depending on what he gets, you, you, you've got a lot of different players coming out and hitting the market and they're going to get paid and they're going to, you know, safety. A lot of teams don't have the the cap space or the wherewithal to spend eight, nine million dollars on a guy like Jordan Whitehead. So, you know, I think he's super important to what the Bucks do. I think he likes being here. You, you take into consideration everything that, you know, contract wise, you could get this much here, but it'll equal out the same mm -hmm. here. I think he comes back. I just don't hmm. I don't see them letting him go if he's asking around six million, six and a half. One thing I, I want you to consider though, JC, is the NFL is notoriously a copycat league. And you look at what Buffalo's done with two very solid, strong safeties and how they've built their defense back to front that way. And yeah. you could see some teams trying to model that. Not saying Jordan Whitehead brings the same exact skill set as the guys in Buffalo, mm -hmm. but that could play into his market and in terms of paying safeties that could play up um, his price tag. It is very valuable to have a guy who can play both, you know, who can, who can drop into two high, but then rotate down as well. And not necessarily needing him to play a ton of single high or picking and choosing his spots when you can play him in single high, which he does do in Tampa Bay, just not a lot. Um, right. You know, but they, again, it's usually off a rotation off something like that. You know, they're trying to basically like catch a team doing something. He's competent enough to do those kinds of things. And there's a great value in if you want to defend the run with less people around the line of scrimmage, which some other teams do, his ability to fill from a, from a, a deeper alignment, you know, with a good angle, with good tackling, with good physicality and speed, all of those things 
are pretty valuable. You know, I think of a guy like Jordan Fuller in the, with the Rams who got hurt obviously near the end of the season, but he doesn't really have many outstanding traits, just operates within the scheme very, very well. And their ability to just rotate him down and he can tackle and take good angles, find the football through the trash. And, you know, the, he can, you know, if you ask him to go deep, he can find the football too. He can process routes. He doesn't a great athlete at all. I think he ran like a four, six and he doesn't have many outstanding traits, but he just functions within the scheme very well. And Whitehead can certainly function within his scheme very well based on the way that he's progressed as a player. So yeah, those are interesting things to consider for sure. We've got a super chat here. Jonah, thank you for the $5 super chat. Sign Colin Kaepernick to a minimum. Let there be a three-way competition. Don't think this is going to happen. Colin Kaepernick hasn't played football in this will be six years now, I believe. And so I don't think it's going to happen. I saw Schefter's tweet, but I uh, feel like that one's probably a long shot at this point. Don't um, do it, guys. Don't, 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 don't start that, please. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's start here, the Kaepernick. Henry says, I'm liking Josh's commentary. Great addition. Keep up the great work, John. And JC, get the battle plan turned in earlier. <laughs> <laughs> come on man like and subscribe i didn't want to put it out on tuesday afternoon because i knew the franchise tag so i had to like come up with an excuse to wait a day or two and you know so here we are now the battle plan proved it a hundred times and then i had to spend three hours oh it's unbelievable anyway uh we want to make sure that we mention before we get to those said battle plans that we mentioned our title sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast is Celsius Energy Drink. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. Got the sparkling orange pomegranate in my hand today. No sugar, accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, gives you the boost you need without the crash that you get from other energy drinks. And it comes in a variety of awesome flavors as well. You know what else comes in two different flavors at least is the Celsius, the protein bars, the fast protein bars by Celsius, the white chocolate cookies and cream, and the caramel peanut crunch, both outstanding flavors. And you can check out all these things. If you want the protein bars, click on the link in the YouTube description, and that'll take you somewhere where you can get access to those protein bars. And if you use the promo code 20, hold fast, you save 20% on a shipment from Amazon. And I believe you can get the variety pack still too, which is both of these flavors, which I highly recommend doing that since both flavors are fantastic. And if you're looking for the energy drink, you can go to the banner ads at pewterreport.com or do the Amazon subscribe and save option or just go to Celsius and use the store locator and find out where they're selling different flavors near you. Pretty much everywhere now. It's worth checking before you go to your house, I guess. Uh, looking for it that way. So great stuff from our friends at Celsius. Obviously, uh, they'll be powering us through this podcast as we always are. All right, guys, uh, let's... um. Let's talk about these battle plans. In JC's Bucks battle plan, he had the Bucks trading a fifth round pick for Taylor Heineke and a seventh round pick. Taylor Heineke, Bucks killer, noted Bucks killer quarterback, going to Tampa Bay to compete with Blaine Gabbard, who he re-signed, and Kyle Trask. JC, give us your rationale on this, and then Josh, you can react with whatever you're thinking about that trade, the value, and all that to what JC's rationale is. Yeah, just. I just think, you know, it's not a high price to pay for a guy. He's got one year left on his deal. He's not um, he's not a terrible quarterback by any means. Obviously, you know, they almost beat the Bucs in the playoffs their Super Bowl year. They did beat the Bucs this past year. You're recouping a seventh-round pick in it, and it's a guy that Bruce Hans has had high praise for. Now, he threw 20, 20 touchdowns, so he did have 15 interceptions, so he's going to have to cut down on that. But he led Washington to a 7-9 record last year. Uh, only making $2.375 million on the final year of his deal. It's not a lot to trade for. And I just think you you can add a guy who's got starting experience. Obviously, he started all of this pretty much all of this season. Um, 
and you add them to the competition and see what happens there. You know, Blaine Gabbert really hasn't started a game since back with Arizona, and I, and he got pulled that year. So uh, as a starter, so I mean, you got to have some guy who you can fall back on, and Gabbert can get him up to speed. And then if he struggles, you, you see what you have in Trask, or Trask wins the competition outright. So mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just another body back there to compete. And a guy who's got pro experience. So that's that was my rationale behind it. And for Washington, you just traded Carson Wentz. You you gave oh all this my crap. Gosh. You, you can't if he starts to struggle. Sorry, when he starts to struggle, you can't Thank have you. calling for for Heineke to come back in there. Resign Kyle Allen or or Gilbert Godfrey, Grape, whatever his name was that they had last year and, and run with those guys. But yeah, I think Heineke is it would be a good fit and uh could potentially you know surprise people and win that competition. So here's what I heard. At JC as a salesperson. <laughs> He's not a terrible quarterback. He's just another body. <laughs> That's what I heard. Compelling stuff. <laughs> Compel- you can really compete with this guy. Uh, so, I, I, JC, I mean, I, I get the rationale. I just I worry a couple things. I think Heineke's got the mindset that Bruce Arians is looking for. I worry about the cannon to execute. You said he's got to cut down on the interceptions. He threw 15 interceptions last year in an offense that was trying to limit his turnovers. Now you're going to put him in an offense that will expose that side of his game. So I think those are some, some worries there. And then when you were saying, you know, eventually maybe we go to Trask, all you're doing is muddying the waters to get there. So ultimately, if you're looking at, we need to figure out what we're, we've got in Trask, adding another body to the mix um, in between him and finding out what he is, especially after they already sank a second round pick into him, that's my worry there. Yeah, yeah and my I- biggest concern. My biggest, I'll let you defend yourself, JC. My biggest concern, I didn't totally hate it, but I, my biggest concern is also like this scheme fit. I don't think he's a good fit for what they're doing because he's so uh, risk oriented as a player and so, and is such a bad feel for when to call it quits in the pocket uh, that I just think he would end up in the office of drop back as much as this one, especially the way this one does. I think he would end up breaking all Winston's records for interceptions. I think he really think he would and turnovers as well. He fumbled a ton last year. So I think that there is just way too much downside with him. While I like watching him play though, because he's actually not a boring quarterback, he's entertaining in some ways. Uh, He's like way more exciting than a Teddy Bridgewater type would be in my opinion, but he won't win as much as a Teddy Bridgewater type. So in one way you are going to be bad. It ensures I think the Bucks would be bad, um, which is, I mean, if you're not going to be good, it's better to be bad than it is to be average, right? In in a lot of ways. Um, and I'll get to you know that how my rationale played out for my pick in a second here. But I don't think that it would work out schematically. I think he'd end up like either like there's no hope for anything with him in terms of a high end outcome. So I don't think that it would be it would benefit Cal Trask at all to have him in there. I would only want a clear upgrade option if it were me looking at the situation for me, it just comes down to the fact that you'd be playing on a much better team with much better coaching, not taking anything away from Ron Rivera, but you've got, you know, some of the best quarterback coaches and teachers of all time in this, in this team, you've got great weapons on the out, on the outside with Godwin and inside uh, with Evan. I mean, vice versa with Evans. And then I think you got a much better defense you can play with. It's going to put you in better situations. So, you know, I'm not saying, you know, 
the Bucks want to compete, right? They put out this video mm-hmm. last night about how they want to compete and they're going for the NFC South. I, I where you don't know what you have in Trask. And I think he could be a really good player. I can see them fifth round comes along, phone call comes in and and say, hey, yeah, you know, especially with Bruce, mm-hmm. how he's been so um so much praise for him in the past. I think that it's something they could do. So I mean, I don't think it's gonna happen, but I just wanted to throw a little bit of a wrench in there. Um <laughs> this off season and yeah. see, what, see what could happen. So it's interesting because Bruce was effusive in his praise of him and he did kill the bucks both times he's played him. He's played two of his best career games. So it is interesting based on that. That's why I don't totally like dismiss it, but I just, I don't think it would be a good idea at all. Really. Uh, although if you're only giving up a fifth, I don't know what it's his cap it. Do you know? 2.375. Okay, yeah. So, so, so nothing really to cons- be concerned yeah. with there. Okay. So here's my rationale for Ryan Fitzpatrick because I had him in my battle plan and some people would probably listen to what I just said. And they're like, well, what the heck you had Ryan Fitzpatrick. My argument would be that I only, and I had this in battle plan. I have no idea what Fitzpatrick's health status is, but I'm assuming if he can be back to the Fitzpatrick that we last saw on the field, the, the Fitzpatrick that was last uh, out there competitive playing well, and has mostly pretty much always been on worse teams than this one but really hasn't changed in terms of his skill set. It's not like Fitzpatrick has gotten worse over the years. We haven't seen really a, like a decline from him. It's pretty much been the same guy. Everybody's gone at every step of the road. Like it's just, you know, there's a hot and cold spells to a degree for sure. But most of his teams throughout his career, especially in recent years have been worse than the one that the Bucs currently offer. So if he could step into an offense like this one, that's produced at this rate and be the way that he has pretty much been throughout his career to me, he would represent a clear upgrade over the current options on the roster. This would be more of a we can win now type of move if that's the Fitzpatrick you're getting. It's kind of a low risk. We'll try it out and see if that is. If it isn't, then Trask or Gabbard should be able to beat him out, and there's no harm, no foul. But if he is clearly better than those other options for cheap, you've kind of allowed yourself to cut the corner a little bit in some ways. You've brought been able to bring back the players you needed to because of cap space, but you've also left the door open for, okay, if Fitzpatrick's Fitzpatrick, like they're probably going to win that division and they could win a playoff game. And the NFC is pretty bad. Like there's really not a whole lot out there. The Cowboys are trying to sell half the roster. They're going to cut Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence, and they're trying to trade Lael Collins. Like I don't know clue what they're doing. Like they've got a, a terrible off season and it looks <laughs> yeah, like it could get worse. Call that one afford Zeke. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that, and yet Zeke's going to stay around, right, as the second best running back on their roster. Oh, yeah. And then if you look, you have the Packers, sure, for no question, and the Rams, no question. Outside of that, I see question marks pretty much everywhere. I mean, if an injury happens to somebody like it has to Rodgers in the past, you know, you were looking at a situation where you could be a competitor, but not with, in my opinion, Jay-Z at least, not with a Taylor Heineke, not with a Blaine Gabbard, probably not with a Cal Trask, but with Ryan Fitzpatrick at a normal Ryan Fitzpatrick level, which is the last time we saw him out there on the field. I think that would be an option that's available to you. Are you going to win the Super Bowl? No, but like you could win a playoff game. And like, th- that's where you're, to my opinion, past the point of like tanking. If that happened now, you need a lot of other things to go your way in free agency. You need a lot of other elements of my battle plan to go well too. You can't just have that. I'm not saying the roster plug Fitzpatrick <laughs> in there right now. And they're good enough. You need to do what else What I said, like in the battle plan, bring back a pretty freaking good roster and supplement it with a couple free agent signings, which they can do. And you also need Fitzpatrick to be healthy, which I admit is a caveat I, I, I'm not totally sure of. So what do you think, JC? Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick, it's like clockwork, right? He's going to break down at some point during the season. He's going to miss some games at some point during the season. So it's not like you're getting Fitzpatrick for a full year. I don't mind Fitzpatrick at all. You know, he, he's been... 
adequate wherever he's gone. Um, I don't just see I don't see too much of a difference in upside with this roster and with the roster that you've constructed and the roster that I've constructed. I don't see too much of a difference between him, Blaine Gabbert, Heineke, Kyle Trask. I don't know. I know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. So are you saying Ryan Fitzpatrick? At, at Ryan Fitzpatrick level, we've seen him play for most Ryan of his career. Like, level, though, I mean, he's older a, now. A pretty he's good starting injury. quarterback is not better than Taylor Heineke. I'm not he's, saying if he's injured, if he's not healthy, that's a different story. But I'm saying if you're getting the guy who's typically been we've typically seen in the NFL, you don't think that's a better option than Taylor Heineke? I mean, wasn't he healthy towards the end of last season? They stuck with Heineke. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm no, just, I'm just healthy at all. I'm well. They, proves my point partly i'm just saying what well that's what i'm saying if he is healthy and he's if he's himself. healthy if he's healthy then he probably leads this team to maybe i don't see him leading them to more than seven nine eight wins though well nine might be enough to, <laughs> might be well enough nine might be enough for either any of these quarterbacks to win you know? I, I don't think you get there with gabbert or trask or yeah. heineke i don't think well, you get i mean if, if the nfc south stays the same i know there's rumors flowing out there that the saints are better than the box if they because they're going to get some level of competency at quarterback they're they're going to be better. But Jimmy G potentially headed there or whatever. But I think you know, you, you got five games. You split it. You finally beat the Saints. I mean, you probably beat Atlanta and Carolina twice. Maybe that's five games right there. And you got a really tough schedule. Who knows? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I don't. Yeah. So I, I think John, with your caveat, the health. Yeah, I, I could definitely see Fitzpatrick being a clear upgrade over any of the, including what I put in my battle plan, uh, going with Gabbert. Um, but I think that's a really big, a really yeah. big caveat, especially for the injury. injuries coming off of, which is the hip, which now you're getting into your rotation. Yeah, I mean, he could retire. What's that? <laughs> like, he could retire. I, I, you know, the only thing that made me put him in is that he hasn't retired yet. Right. And it doesn't make much sense to me that he wouldn't if he wasn't going to play again. So or that yeah. he would have. So, yeah, he could retire. Standpoint, yeah. From a performance standpoint, he's had quite you know, almost like a career renaissance over the last four or five years where he's been basically like a league average quarterback, like right around, you know, 13 to 15, depending on, on where you're looking at in terms of the rating. So from a, a skill perspective, absolutely. He's a, a tremendous upgrade over anybody else that we've really talked about. Um, mm. It's just, it's that health. That, right. That's it's, the word. Yeah. It's clearly a long shot. There's no question. It's a long shot. Part of it is like, having fun with these things. Like I said, he could retire tomorrow and I wouldn't be surprised at all because right. I have no idea where his health situation is at. I don't know that many people do know where his health situation is at. There's been shockingly little conversation about him and I actually researched all over. Is he, is he going to retire? Is he going to, you know, there was some just mild speculation at best about that. So those things are all possible for sure. But if he doesn't, and if he is healthy and ready to go and there's no issues from his injury, which is possible too, if we see all kinds of crazy things happen. Then I would, I think he would be a very interesting option for the Bucks. So from everything I could see from my vantage point, I decided to go for it for cheap. But again, if he isn't, and if he isn't any of those things, and he wants to keep playing, and he isn't any of those things, he's not somebody who you have to bring in the locker room and you're worried about him being like a total distraction for everybody else. If he can't get back to right. what he was before, then he's just going to be a good mentor for those guys. You know, Gabbert can focus on trying to start for the first time in forever, which is going to be a big difference for him. Um, and Kyle Trask can focus on what he needs to focus on. And you've got another quality guy in the locker room who knows kind of like a Josh McCown late in his career that his time is probably up as a player at that point. If he can see it in himself physically, he's not going to necessarily take that personally. Like, and they loved him in Tampa Bay last time. So I think it'll be a good locker room scene too, even if it does, it doesn't work out physically. And for him. So his last physically well 
season that he that he put out was in 2019 where he had 3,500 passing yards, 19 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. You're telling me you don't think that either Trask, Gabbard, or Heineke are capable of that with this offense? No. I don't think they will play better. Are you looking at touchdown-to-interception ratio on this show, on the Pewter Report podcast, and presenting that as valid information? I will – no, that will – I'm going to mute you. <laughs> I just need both of you to promise me because you both are courting former Washington quarterbacks that this yeah, time next year, this is where your battle not, is going to include a trade for Carson Wentz. No, no Carson, no Carson Wentz. It's not going to include Carson Wentz. We already had, right, had him off the table. He'll awesome. be a free agent. So we'll sign on that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, let's get into some of the, uh, you had some of the, some of the draft uh, picks that you had. It were also interesting in yours, Josh, uh, that you had, for the box. First of all, you had a trade. Talk about the trade that you had, the cheat code trade that you can do to give your <laughs> give your team as many draft picks as you want when you do these battle plans so that you can make it objectively more fun for people by drafting half the class. Tell us about that trade. Half the class. <laughs> I had two extra picks. All right. I don't want to hear it. So yes, I, I have the Bucks trading down out of the out of the first round. Um, with Cleveland, I in my scenario, Cleveland takes one of the top, top defenders with their first pick, and then obviously wide receivers a need for them. Maybe Chris Olave sitting there, maybe Jahan Dot- Dotson sitting there, and they trade up with extra picks that they have. They're second to twenty-seven. Um, they have an extra third-round compensatory pick, and they have an extra fourth-round pick through trade. So they trade their second forty-four, their comp ninety-eight, and their fourth round of one seventeen to move up. Um, into that 27 spot, get a fifth-year option on a wide receiver and fill that need that they have. Um, in every trade scenario that, that I ran this through, the Bucks lost this trade. The Browns came out on top on every single one. Now, Josh is about to tell you the analytics of the department and the Browns, so they don't often do trades like that, yada, yada, yada. My You're original right. trade had Denver, who does trade often, but Denver obviously traded that pick. So I was like, I was scrambling, all right, I got to fill this in now. I'm not going to change my entire draft. So it became Cleveland. <laughs> it became Cleveland. And I think even though they're not a team that normally trades up, you know, this is a team that last year was Super Bowl talk, and they watched the Cincinnati Bengals go to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think this is a team that you're in your – Final year with, with Baker Mayfield. Um, he's going to have a whole offseason to get healthy. They've got some solid pieces on defense, solid pieces on offense still. And I think they're going to have to try to make a run for the Super Bowl in this last final season. And, you know, if they can get another defensive player and then a wide receiver, I think that puts them in a position to do so. So that was the trade that I had. Now go ahead and rip it apart. <laughs> Josh, what do you think? Give me what you know about the Browns. Yeah, I mean, uh, JC kind of uh, hedged it for me in terms of, I think the trade partner isn't likely um, just from how they operate. Cleveland is more analytics based and they would see trading up as losing value. Now that's not to say that there wouldn't be another team in that area that would give a similar package. And I think overall the package um, can be done in the NFL and has been done. So I'm not going to rip you for that. I I do want to ask though, who you have with the bucks taking their, um, you know, in terms of that defensive lineman, Logan Hall, I would love to hear kind of your thought process on why you went with him. Yeah, Logan Hall, speed. You know, he's got speed. Um, I know he doesn't have the longest arms, John, uh, but he's, he's he's you know, your classic five-tech. Bucks playing a base 3-4, not often, but he can fill that role there. Uh, he, he weighed in uh, pretty well at 283, 6-6, and then he can kick in inside as an interior ru- uh, pass rusher, and that's what the Bucks are looking for, someone with speed that can kick in, kind of like what Joe Tryon did. But, you know, a guy who's a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier. So 
I I like him there. He's been linked to the Bucks in the first round. Uh, now he's kind of pulled off, and it's more of a second round prospect. But I think if they could get him there, it's good value. It adds a need on that defensive line. He tested one of the bet as one of the best players of the combine. Um, he had the best shuttle score and the best uh, had was tied for the best three cone time as mm-hmm. well. So he's, he's a good run defender. You know, so that's another thing that Bruce said. He wanted- I think he was six, six and a half to have a great three cone amongst your position group at that height is really impressive. Yeah. And, you know, he's uh he's a strong run defender, too. And that's what Bruce said. He doesn't want to lose anything in the run, but he wants to get speed. And he ran a four, uh, four, eight, eight, 40, 40 yard dash at that height and that size. So uh, yeah. I, I thought he was a good fit and I wanted to grab a defensive lineman. There weren't really there aren't really many in this class that can make a difference. I think year one, and I think he's probably the last one, maybe Travis Jones mm-hmm. right there could work too, but I think he's probably the last one. I like his speed a little bit more than Travis Jones. Yeah. I took a deep, I didn't trade down. I didn't do the cheat code. So I stayed at, at pick number 27 and I took a defensive tackle as well. Yeah. This is going to, what's that? Yeah. You took a different cheat code. You took a player who's going to be gone well before that. I don't know that that's true. Uh, Devontae Wyatt from Georgia is who I took, and we'll have to see how things play out. It's going to be very interesting because Jordan Davis's combine tended to vault him up the board, and I use simulators from a couple different places when I'm doing these these mock bucks mock drafts. And so when I did ran the simulator, pretty much consistently, Devontae Wyatt was still on the board from a number of different sites. And so I was like, okay, this is a realistic possibility, and I don't spend too much time, especially because it's the beginning of March obsessing over who is and who won't who won't or will be on the board because it's just generally a waste of time you know outside of obvious some obvious players there really is no way of knowing i mean no one in the world thought derwin james was going to be there at 17 if you'd have mocked him to to where he landed to the chargers at that point in time you'd have been laughed at like nobody thought that was nobody thought dk metcalf was falling to 64 or aj brown was falling to the second round or you know nobody thinks half the things that are going to happen travis frederick's at the end of the first round and all this kind of stuff that happens every single year so it just there's no way to really weed through a lot of that stuff this far out, especially maybe as we get closer, but this far out uh, really isn't a way to do that. And so Wyatt, I think, yeah, he's he's a good player. He's exactly what they're trying to do. I think he's a player that they wouldn't they would if he were like a couple picks from them that they could even like jump for. They could kind of move up for. Um, it is worth noting that defensive tackle has is one of the deepest positions in the NFL. So they can slide a little bit because it's not necessarily seen as a need. And in the first round, teams can say whatever they want. Most of them are looking for need. If there's an obvious stud at defensive tackle, it's something to consider. But I I think if he slid down into their range, he's a player that they could potentially even try to make a move for because I do see him as such a great fit. I don't think the Bucs are are likely to trade up, but I had them taking Devontae Wyatt at that point in time because I think that the upside is there potentially for him, especially as a pass rusher, to be a perfect pairing with Vita Vea, which I, Bruce Arian said is the number one priority in this offseason, which he said at the Combine. So that was very interesting to me. Um, we both had Christian Watson going in the second round. This has been a popular pick. Scott had him in the first round, I think. And no, he had him in a trade down in the second round. But he had him with the Jazz. Yeah. yeah, first pick. I think yeah, Scott's first pick in the second round. Surprised. Yeah, I no. think Scott said, though, he, he wouldn't be surprised if Watson – if we if the Bucks want that him, that they would need to take him at twenty seven. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising to him, yeah, for sure. I don't think he's going to go in the first round, despite the testing and the size, the athletic profile. I see an FCS wide receiver who never had more than eight hundred yards in a season, who was in a run first offense that blocked more than he got the ball, and that runs two different routes. I'm not saying that to say I don't like him. I do like him a lot. I think his upside significant. <laughs> 
I think that we tend to overreact to pre-draft processes for some positions. Edge defenders, nope, teams don't care because there isn't as much cerebral stuff to playing edge defender, right? If you can rush the passer, you're going to go high, period. But for some positions like wide receiver, it's most of a lot of the position is mental. If you're going to thrive in today's NFL, especially with the Bucs, for example, like you have to be able to read coverages as a wide receiver. That's why you see a lot of busts for a lot of years at the, at the position if teams weren't scouting them appropriately, I think. So what, not saying Watson isn't smart, just that it will take time for him to be able to do that, especially as he has to learn a full route tree. It'll be a totally different offense in the NFL than what he operated under in college. Definitely has the explosive traits. There's lots to like. I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick. I do think he could be there with the Bucks range. Josh, you think – you said today you think his floor, the lowest he would drop, is number 53 overall in the draft. Talk to us about your rationale. Uh, I think it comes down to the way offenses are moving in the NFL. And Watson provides – you know we've used the word in, on the pod here today – a cheat code in terms of the size, his speed, his ability to move. Yes, he's going to have to learn how to um, – run more than two routes but until then those two routes can do a lot to a defense and i think that there are a couple teams that in the second round looking at what he potentially could be in terms of unlocking more of their offense i think that you're going to see him go there um, and i think some teams are going to see a dk metcalf type in terms of his build and and how fast he is at that size and they're not going to let him slide like DK ended up sliding. Again, it's a little bit different. DK sliding out of the first into the second. I just don't think they let Watson slide out of maybe mid-second round. And that's why I was thinking 53. Yeah, so on, the, on the opposite side of that, I mean, and you had him at 60 in your mock too, I believe. So all three of us had him in the second round pick at 60. But on the other side of the DK Metcalf is a Denzel Mims comparison. And I've heard some teams that are a little bit scared off by his lack of, um, you know, route running ability and that as john alluded to he only has two, about two routes and denzel mims blew up the combine people fell in love with them denzel mims and he hasn't been able to do anything so uh as, as to, to counteract the we don't want to miss out another dk you also don't want to uh, evaluate him in the wrong way and end up with another denzel mims which i don't think he's going to be i'm not saying that because obviously i wouldn't draft a denzel mims in the second right. round but <laughs> there's just that trepidation between uh some some front offices, especially with the small school, and it's going to take time to learn routes and have to take time to go up against better competition and all that as well. Right. Yeah, it's uh, fascinating because you you don't want to – obviously, we believe in the player. Otherwise, we wouldn't be drafting him in these things. But also, you want to try and look at it through team's lens, lens too, which requires or requires two different skill sets almost to be able to do that. So it, it, it will be very fascinating to see where he goes. Probably one of the more fascinating players in the draft, to be honest. I mean – Nobody was even talking about him going into the senior bowl. Like literally five weeks ago, nobody was talking about it. It's just crazy. And now he's like oh, one of the best athletes ever at the combine, um, especially amongst the wide receiver position. It's just incredible how he's boosted his stock. And we'll see how I can get it. It's definitely um, going to be something worth talking about. All right. We had went. He was, noted. He was, I was going to say, should be noted that he was first spotted by Peter Reports, Casey Hudson. That's true. Honestly, Casey texted me about a half hour into the first practice. She was like, do you know anything about Christian Watson? I was like, no, I, I did ask Scott before I went. And he was like, yeah, I'll be, you know, at that point, I don't know if Scott had even seen him. He was like, yeah, he'll probably be like a late day three pick special teams guy. And then Casey was like, he looks like the best player here. And I was like, okay. So I was watching O-line, D-line. Casey was assigned wide receivers that day. And Matt was watching, I forget, like, running backs and linebackers she was Casey was watching quarterbacks and wide receivers and corners and so we were kind of splitting up the positions the next day I was on wideouts and literally 30 minutes into practice I was like he's better than every wide receiver here like <laughs> not even close like it was it was just obvious and 
right now, I don't think anybody else that was even there is even close on boards to people. Like it shouldn't be anyway. I mean, based on what I saw there anyway, I've seen some of them on tape. So yeah, big shout out to Casey for recognizing that and seeing that right away. Uh, <laughs> Long lost blazer. <laughs> Josh must be a real life salary cap guy. Saving money using transparent lampshades is next level. <laughs> I try. I very much do. <laughs> That's actually like pretty sweet to me. I love it. All the decor you see behind me goes uh, straight to the wife. She's. Amazing. I was gonna say, yeah, I'm, I'm also married to a decor person, and so I, yeah, I understand as a. That's why I recognized that. I was like, oh, very, very impressive, very good. Uh, Josh, we went or JC, we went different directions with our offensive linemen. Uh, that we both took one in the third round, but you went with Cole Strange from Chattanooga. I went from Lucas, or sorry, from with Luke. Gadek from uh from Central Michigan who played tackle and I think will move to guard in the NFL based on his arm length uh being very short. But what's your I know you like Strange, maybe 30 seconds on Strange. I don't know if people want to hear the fact that you want to write a book about him, but uh, no, I already wrote a book seconds. about him anyways on our draft clutch. But yeah, Strange, he he's, he came out with the best Raz guard of any grade, a relative athletic score of any guard in the class. Um and in the guard since 2016. He reminds me of Jensen, the fact that he's a mauler in the run game. He's aggressive. He plays with great, uh, you know, charisma and, and balance and leverage. And I, I just think he's going to be a beast. And he's also uh, capable of playing multiple positions on the line. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I saw with Gadek too. I just felt like, man, he's a guy that you know, fits the box mentality for sure. Athletic, big, 6'5", 312, you know, physical dude and play a tackle and could probably kick inside. Um, and do very well in the NFL with a little bit of development. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, I think both of those guys could be bucks fits to be honest. I, I definitely uh, saw that potential for both of them to, to be fits. And we went with tight ends, running backs later as we get down the board. Uh, we did have some similarities. Everybody pretty much on the pure port staff, except for me has drafted Matt Areza from uh, San Diego state, the punter. Everybody wants to see Bradley Pinion up out of here. Uh, I don't mind seeing him up out of here either. Uh, just didn't really care about oh, analyzing special things. yards? Come on. Oh, my God. Give them to me. That's right. Okay, so as we get to the point where we need to wrap up this show and offer our favorite things and least favorite things about these battle plans, we would appreciate everybody hitting the like button. Give us a thumbs up on the show. If everybody's watching does that, it'll help our YouTube SEO. Yeah. More people can find the channel. More people can subscribe. If you're not subscribed, make sure you subscribe too. But please do give us a thumbs up. That is very, very helpful to us, obviously. The last thing I'll say here is that uh, this is also an opportunity to tell you about one of our favorite title sponsors over at Pin Chasers, where you can have bowling, food, and fun with the whole family and join bowling leagues, birthday parties, corporate team building events, three different events. There are three different locations in East Pasco, Midtown, and Veterans. And they've got just an unbelievable variety of food, too. I think they got all-you-can-eat breakfast, and they've got an all-you-can-eat pizza night, or not an all-you-can-eat breakfast, excuse me. They have breakfast all day, and then they have an all-you-can-eat pizza night, which is total game changer. I, you know, th their pizza right there—it's just so good. I was there the other night. I think I said this on one of our last pods, and there was just people like literally out the door. So it is—it's uh, a happening place, and it's a great place to take the family and have some fun as well. So pin chasers at those locations definitely worth checking out. All right, let's get to it. We got a couple different uh, takes here, a couple different things to line up in terms of the our favorite and least favorite moves on each other's uh battle plans overall why don't we let josh go first and tell us his favorite thing he can pick whoever one he wants to go first favorite thing about mine and your battle plans and least favorite things about our battle plans all right so uh i know it's gonna sound a little strange but i love the matt areza pick jc punt god you're absolutely Hunter. right 
that is going to be like the best pick of the draft, no matter what team gets him. By the way, I just like to say he is not going to be there in the seventh round. (laughs) You're you're probably right about (laughs) that. But I get it's believable for fans. But I don't. I don't. I think he's going to get drafted. I mean, I mean, he he he's. Have you seen the punts? I mean, they're amazing. That's what I mean. I'm being that guy here. I'm channeling my inner JC, and I'm saying. He's the not. He's not going to be there. I'm the not going to be there. Guy. Oh, um, I just want to before we go anymore. Yeah, go, go. Uh, Char- Chargers are trading for Khalil Mack. Really? Yeah. Is that a, is it, who said? Is it Adam? Uh, Adam Schefter finalizing a trade, attempting those. to finalize a trade that will send yeah. Wow to the Los Angeles Chargers. Whew. From the Bears, that kind of makes sense because the Bears got to got to get get some people up out of here. But Mac and Joey Bosa on the same. <laughs> See, the NFC West or the AFC after. West is about to be crazy. I feel bad for Derek Carr. Crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Derek Carr. My Poor Derek Carr. Raiders should just cut bait now because they they right into the ball. Yeah, um, he should be, should be our, pounding the door down for a trade at this point. My original battle plan did have Derek Carr coming, but after the combine week when Josh is like, he's going to be our starter, I didn't have it. I had him trading a second, third. Uh, Kyle Trask and a first and third next year for Derek Carr. So, mm. I don't know. yeah, probably not another Charger, point, but yeah, Chargers still need some run defense, but you can find that cheaper in free agency. Then, all right, tell so me more what you liked about my, yeah. My so, I mean, um, <laughs> the, the other thing that you know, just and for me, it's a little bit of reflection on my own, um, my own battle plan, but I love that you kept Whitehead and, and, and you know, especially the way we we opened the podcast talking about him what he brings to this defense and how he's perfect fit for Todd Bowles. It, it makes me regret not finding a way to keep him on my own. So that would probably be the, the biggest thing that I saw there that I really, really enjoyed. Um, flipping to the other side. Have you seen what a slot receiver in Bruce Arians' offense looks like? Stole mine. <laughs> Stole mine. This is the most, this is the worst this I'll is the John worst with it, but decision in a battle plan in peer report history. That's how far I'll go, JC. Really? You're going to go that Braxton Berrios to the Bucks for 10 mil over three years. Absolutely. First of all, the term, the length of the term. Why are we doing three years for Braxton Berrios if you're the Bucks? Just doesn't make any sense. He's a backup slot receiver. He's a slot only in an offense that only plays big guys that can block in the slot. He's a little dude. He's never going to fit the prototype. No, I was out on this pick. Go ahead, Josh. Back to you. Get on. I mean, you hit all of it. I honestly, what's that personnel package look like? Like, if you could walk me through it, he comes out, and what role is he playing? And where's everybody else slotted? He could obviously he could definitely be on the opposite side. You get two receivers in the slot if it's in, and obviously not a running play. You guys are missing the whole point. He is an all-pro return specialist. Bucks fans, say it with me: a return specialist that you're getting for three and a half million that can play. He's a little bit like Scotty Miller. He's a willing blocker. He's not going to run anybody over. But the the last time he played the Bucks, he knocked one of the defenders on his ass. I forget who it was. So I mean, come on. Obviously, he's not the prototype. He's about the same size as Scotty Miller. Not as fast. Not really an outside guy. But he can make plays. He scored two touchdowns on end around rushes. You can get creative. We have a very creative coaching staff, and they'll find ways to use him. 
And he'll probably return a touchdown or a punch or two for you this well, year. Brad's projecting Brad him at almost $7 million per Brad year. Doesn't, Brad knows <laughs> what he's talking about. But with Braxton Berrios making only $3 million over the course of his year and never really doing much as a receiver, now he's going to jump up to $9 million. No one's paying $9 million a Where's, year. Where are you getting $9 million? His seven, projection six is 6.67. No one's paying $6.5 million for for Braxton Barrios. I will be shocked if someone pays Even if they do, your projection is like a, a fraction of that. Yeah, because guys only for a team that doesn't fit injured, suffered season injured ending injury last year. Hasn't had a hasn't really had strong production throughout Here's, his career. If the Bucks sign Braxton Barrios, if the Bucks even bring Braxton Barrios in for a visit, I will eat a piece of paper or something on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Something non-edible that isn't disgusting. Wow. Listen, I brought him in for the return specialist role primarily, but if something happens with Gawain, you've got a capable guy that can play in the slot. He's not going to do everything that Gawain can do, but no one could, and we saw that last year with eight different guys trying to fill that role. So, you know, at least he gives you some sort of level of backup. You can use him creatively on offense, and you have an all-pro, 2021 all-pro return specialist that can actually handle punts, won't fall and slip, and won't this is a Devin Hester here, buddy. He had one good year, like in a year where nobody's nobody's returning all kicks. All pro. <laughs> Nobody ever returns uh, kicks anymore. Go ahead, Josh. What do you what do you like and hate about my battle plan? So I think oh, the thing that I like the oh, most yeah. <laughs> um, that will probably make Scott pull his hair out is I love your fourth round running back. So Damian Pierce, he was Damian featured Pierce. in my, my battle plan as well. Um, I think Damian Pierce checks all the boxes for what the Bucks are looking for. I personally really enjoy watching him um, uh, run, block, catch the whole nine yards. So he runs with a physicality and he's got a um, just a really elite first step. Like he gets going fast and he may not hit a top speed and have the long speed, but he can get through a hole and he can get through a, a guy trying to tackle him pretty darn quick. And so I really love that one. Um, in terms of what I did not like. Wow, sorry. Before you get to that, news, you yeah. seen that? They're sending a second and a sixth? Oh, no. I was talking about Ali Marpet has been officially put on the reserve retired list, and it opens okay. about $5.625 million in cap room for okay. the Bucks per Genelian. Is that so, yeah. what you'd expect uh, would to have been the next move? Uh, actually, that, that's a little surprising that they put him on the, the right. list already and that they didn't June 2nd. In. So it doesn't clear as much cap space as they potentially could have. Um, but it does clear, uh, I think Jason just said a little over 5 million, 5.6 million. Yeah. What was it would have been yeah. if they'd have waited and why wouldn't they have waited? Any ideas? I think it would have been over eight. Um, I'm not exactly right. sure why they wouldn't have. Um, it, it, it really is a little perplexing to me at this moment. Right. We got well, to maybe look at that the NFL required him to send in something saying he was retired. So do you have time? I'm not sure about how that works or reserve retired list, but once you submit your, your retirement, are teams required to make that move immediately or do they have time to do so? How does I, you know, I think it's up to the team to actually move them? So, okay. um, so that, that, like I said, it's a little bit surprising. So it's definitely something I'm going to look into. Hmm. So I wonder I, maybe the team has it. Huh. What's that? Maybe there's is there another step like the Bucks have to take? No, I mean, Jenna said it clears the cap space now, but that would, yeah, I'm not sure why they wouldn't. It says the Bucks officially put. Former yeah, guard so Ali Marpet on like the list. She's reporting that the team has made the roster move. Mm. So, well, um, what this will do is it makes sure there's no um, dead cap hit next year. So, whereas if they would have waited till June 2nd, they would have prorated some of the dead cap hit into 2023. And now they won't have to worry about that. They're going to take the entire hit this year. 
Okay, so maybe that's why they did it. It's possible. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I guess what five point six mil and eight mil, two point four mil difference. Yeah. Right. Maybe it wasn't worth it to them. It's possible. To Although cap. second thought, I think it was ten million if they waited till June second. But yeah, they that's are important. making sure that they have no they have no dead cap hit for Marpet next year. And other where it does seem to indicate that they aren't that concerned about their ability to clear enough space to make the moves they want to make. Now, whether those moves are what we want them to make, I'm <laughs> remains not sure. to be seen. <laughs> that definitely <laughs> remains to be seen. But it does seem like that would indicate that they're not like overly stressing about cap space. Like last year, for example, it was like literally get every ounce of cap space out of everything you could, including void years and all that. So it see wouldn't that indicate that they maybe aren't that concerned about it? Yeah, it definitely does. And, and the thing with the Bucks, and I think uh, Scott said this a lot, is you're not going to see them make a bunch of moves at one time. They're going to make moves commiserate with what they want to do next. And so throughout the offseason, you're going to see these come in kind of one at a time. But this is the first move for them getting under the cap by uh, what next Wednesday, the 16th, uh, which is the new league year, which they have to be com- cap compliant by that day. And with the Godwin tag, I want to say they were over 16 million over the cap. So this gets them from the 16 range down to 11. So there's still going to be another move or two to get them cap compliant before they even start talking to anybody else. Yeah, they've got about yeah. 7.9 million now and uh, or 7.8 million now in cap room. So could it have been because they just need it right now? Yeah, I mean, they have to have it by the 16th. So, right. and, and so is that maybe why they moved him now? Yeah. JC, the number you're quoting there doesn't include the the Godwin. Um, no, absolutely not. Tag. And I should I should clarify from when I was on the other day. I did look into it, and they, regardless of Godwin signing the tag or not, they have to account for that on the first league day. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. So Godwin's extension basically has got to happen over before Monday. Otherwise, the Bucks are screwed. Is that what we're saying? Uh, yeah. it, Either that has to happen, or they're going to have to do some restructures and some extensions to to yeah. clear that move out or that room out. Right, and something will happen along those lines. But they they need to get Godwin done too. I mean, that's get considerable considerable help, even if they do the restructures. Right, absolutely. So, and to give some context, that Mike Williams deal that was for twenty million a year, it's only fourteen million this year. Mm-hmm. So you can see the AAV for the entire life is a high number, but that first year always comes in pretty low. Right. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. Back to what, so what did you hate about my battle plan? Uh, so Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle. Wow. That's <laughs> a both Michelle. of ours, right? Yeah. yeah. So, wow, yeah. JC catching another stray, by the way. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. With, with Sony, it, he, he's just not a very exciting back and I just don't see him providing a ton of upside. So um, I'm sure you're going to talk to me about pass protection and how he does all the little things really well. I just don't see him as great in terms of um, providing any type of spark for the offense. He's a little predictable. You know, when you have him on the field, you're you're probably not going to pass him out to it. He's going to be in there for pass protection or for running downhill, and that's part of what you got. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not great. <laughs> like, he's not like an elite player, but you are paying, you know, four mil for him as opposed to breaking the bank for, or what is it, two years? I forget what I had in there for him as opposed to breaking the bank for other running backs and you're drafting a back. So using his complimentary skill set, which is where he's been at his best in his career. He is a capable rusher. He's a very good pass protector, one of the best in the league. And he won't give you much as a receiver at all, but I have other options that can do those things for him in those situations. You're two minute and, and, and late in the game and things like that um, type of spots uh, before the half. So it's just about getting a group of people for an affordable rate 
to whose skill sets complement each other. And that's what I was trying to build in the running back room because the Bucs aren't going to have a feature back this year. It would just be shocking unless a rookie came in and just seized control of the yeah. workload surprisingly, which has happened before with, with rookies you know, later in the draft. But again, it would be unlikely to see that happen, I think. So that's where I, my mindset was kind of at with that whole thing. But no, it's fair. I mean, he he's not a great player for sure. Like It's not like he's like an unbelievable talent or anything like that. Um, he's just going to be a guy that slots in in a year where they've got to cut some money at running back. They just kind of got to make do with available options. So that's good stuff. JC, we've already kind of talked about each other's, I guess a good bit. Uh, and we got to wrap up the show. So um, unless you have anything new to rip on with my battle plan, <laughs> I don't have anything that new to rip on yours. I, like I, 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 we had a lot of overlapping Sony, Michelle, Max Williams. So I think come in and be a really um, capable player at the tight end position. Good blocker. You know, he's, I, 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 I struggled to call him a reliable pass catcher because i don't know that that's a great word for him uh hasn't had over 250 yards in any season but you know mm -hmm. I, I i like the way i like the moves you made um i don't there's nothing really that i stood out to me as like really you're gonna do that i mean i'm not so high on byron pringle as you and scott are to be honest i think four years i mean I wouldn't say I'm that high on him i just there are not a lot of good there are not a lot of options that are solid that could be had for an affordable rate, which is what the Bucks are going to spend at number three wide receiver if they resign Chris Godwin. There, it's going to be a draft picks and cheap guys at number three. Yeah, I was surprised I think, by that one too, John, and, and not that you went with the Juju pick because I know you've been very high on him in this offense. I just think Juju is gonna is not going to go to Tampa Bay. He's one year. He's going to be on a one year deal. He wants a quarterback that's going to ball, and the, I think the Chiefs and other teams will be interested in him. He's not going to want to risk his free agent status with another lame duck quarter potential to have a lame duck quarterback like he has the last couple of years with Ben. So that's my rationale there. I love, I love Fair Juju point. and I'd love him to be in Pittsburgh or to be in Tampa Bay. I, I you know, I think it would be a great fit, but I just don't see him being interested in it. The thing Fair is point. I think Bozeman might go for a little bit more. Now that Florida state income tax might, he might down a little bit. He might, there is spiking mean? interest in him. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but yeah, I don't remember what I had him for, but that market seems to be eight million a year. Eight, yeah, I mean, twenty-four. Eight's pretty good. I mean, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. If, eight if to nine. Does, the income tax thing plays into consideration. If he's offering nine bucks, offer eight, it could, could potentially happen. Yeah. Are there anything else you like about mine? Before we uh, I liked. Um, shoot, what did I text you? I liked earlier. Uh, I just closed out your thing. I liked. Um, uh, Karras and Evans. Yeah, uh, Ted Karras. Yeah, I think that could be a possibility. Center guard flexibility, leadership. You know, good, good, solid player. You know, when you get him for way more affordable rate, he could potentially play two positions depending on where Hainsey, what happens with Hainsey and what happens with Stinney. Good leader guy. Um, so I like that move. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't, wasn't all bad. See, it wasn't all bad. <laughs> Most of it was good. Most of it was good. I just. Braxton Berrios. Braxton Berrios. I was, I was thinking you're going to rip on me for Sheldon, bringing Sheldon Richardson in here. Uh, I thought that was the it's one. It's cheap and he's played with Bulls before. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I think he's cooked, but it's cheap and he's played with Bulls before. I mean, that, it wouldn't totally stun me. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't, I just wouldn't spend much money on older guys in non-key positions or non-key roles, but for one year, yeah, for cheap, whatever. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Uh, this is it for today's show. Uh, then we're going to be back. I think what Monday we talk about free agency and talk about some of the things that are going down in free agency. Um, that will open Monday basically yeah. officially, but it'd be the tampering period gets lifted. Right. Is that at noon? Am I remembering that right? I believe so. It starts noon, at noon. Right. On Monday, think, yeah. yeah. Cause then 4 PM is on, is on Wednesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Wednesday, at Wednesday. 4 yeah, Wednesday. That's when they can officially sign, but noon will be 
when free agency opens and you'll start hearing a lot of things that happen on Monday. So we'll have you covered every step of the way over at Peter Report. We've already got articles going up and we'll have them continue to go up throughout the weekend. And then obviously into Monday as a lot of the moves start happening that are going to happen. So it's going to be a wild ride for sure. And we appreciate you all sticking with us. Make sure you like the show and subscribe as well. Go ahead, JC. One more thing. Uh, Scott did confirm the report from Jenna that they have placed them on the retired reserve list. Okay. Just want to make sure that we got that. That is confirmed. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you again next week on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.